0: I believe that the federal government's lost. I don't think in our lifetime we're going to be able to rein that federal government in. I think the way to win this country back is through state governments. I think the way to win it back is to send people that understand state sovereignty and are willing to stand up to the federal government and say, not today. Welcome to Pod Bless America. I'm Jim. And I'm Dan. And today we're going to talk about how we're going to take the government back. How oh, we're going to take it back, like for real? And we're going to take it back for real. Oh. Now listen, right-wingers, put your guns away. We're not talking about that. Damn. But what we are talking about, and what we've talked about on this podcast before, is taking it back by getting the old white guys out of Congress. They're right? terrible. The guys that have been there for 40 years, that are doing nothing but playing the game, cash and checks, that are, hey, remember me four years ago? Put your sign, can I put my sign in your yard? Those guys. We talked right? about those guys. Right. Haven't done a thing. They don't do a thing while they're in there, except for things that are going to benefit them. Today, we've got one of those ways that we're going to take this this country back. And we've got Jonah Scholes with us, who's now running for, it was the 16th district here in Ohio, um, but after redistricting, he's running for the 13th district. And Jonah's one of our people, right? Jonah is one of those guys that understands limited government. So Jonah, Welcome.
1: Welcome, Jonah. Thanks for having me on, guys. I, I appreciate it.
2: Trust me, we, we appreciate it more than you do. I appreciate you taking away your time for filming you, of Twilight to be here. Oh, here we go. So we're going to start right in on that. Are we going to start right, right, right in? Right in. All, all, right, right, all right. right. You know what? You know what? That's fine.
0: You want to start right in? Let me just say this. Let me say this: Jonah's shoe game is on point, dude. I have every time I see him, he has a different pair of shoes on. I notice his shoes every time. On point, point. and it's about time that we have somebody running for Congress that understands how important shoes are.
2: But I also <laughs> make the joke to the young kids: I'm like, "Oh, you got a nice shoe collection? That's cool." Well, uh, men collect guns, okay? They don't collect shoes. Okay? You're buddy. not throwing shoes at people Look, when we're the not going to talk family. about Jonah's gun collection. My guess, <laughs> I think we're okay there. <laughs> We're okay. We're okay. All but right. but uh, he, uh, he'd he be really fortunate if they put his picture next to where you're voting because all these ladies, you could probably look them up and you'll agree with me. He belongs in the Twilight
1: Saga. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Jonah, yeah. I, I don't know what way to take that, but uh, sorry, right, we're all so, loosened up now. So we're going to go. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right. So listen, Jonah, let's get into the first thing here. And I think probably the most important thing to you. Um, and it's, Probably one of the most important things to the people out there is medical freedom. Now, when you talk about medical freedom, people think that being pro-medical freedom means you're anti-vax. Are you anti-vax?
1: No, not at all. And the reality is all medical freedom means is allowing individuals the opportunity to make their own health care choices. It's 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 simple. It's individuals. We have these medical freedom rallies. We protest against businesses, against government entities that are mandating the vaccine. And there's individuals out there who have had the vaccine. There's individuals out there who haven't had the COVID vaccine. And both of them are saying, I don't want to live in a country where I can't make healthcare decisions for myself or for my children. So this is a very basic right. And I think what you're seeing across the country is this shift in understanding of we don't care if our rights are being taken away by the government or by a corporation, These rights should be left up. These decisions should be left up to the individual. uh, And we're going to fight that that tyranny wherever we find it, whether it's in these giant corporations or the government.
2: But it started in the courts where they where they told them, hey, this this can't happen. Okay, it's unconstitutional. We're not doing it. But companies are still doing it and going, you know, hey, we're just going to do this and and see what happens. And people have people got to start doing this president has made it very clear from the start that he does not care about the Constitution.
0: Right. He did it with the eviction moratorium and he's doing it now with the with the vaccine mandate. He knows that what he is doing is unconstitutional. This is and we've said it before on this. This is the the top dog here, right? This is the executive for the United States who put his hand on a Bible and swore to uphold and defend the Constitution and comes out and says he knows what he's doing is unconstitutional, but he's going to make the court say that he can't do it. And it's unbelievable. You show me in Article 2, and and maybe I'm wrong, Jonah, maybe I'm wrong. Is there anywhere in Article 2 that gives a president the authority to mandate private businesses that their employees have to have the vaccine?
1: No, and and the White House, Joe Biden, and whoever is pulling the strings ultimately, they've all acknowledged this from the beginning, right? They came out and said however many months ago that they don't have the authority to mandate a vaccine. Well, fast forward, they're mandating a vaccine. Then it gets held up in court. Then what happens? The messaging is still... Go forward with a vaccine mandate, even though it's not in effect, even though OSHA has put a pause, even though the courts have put a pause. And so the reality is, Joe Biden and others, they know they don't need to do what's lawful in order to enact their agenda and get what they, they believe needs to get done done. They know that if they can force this down the throat of corporations and and bully them, in many cases, the outcome of getting people to comply they don't care how they get there, right? The, to them, the ends the, justify the means. And so whether it's unconstitutional or not, they're going to pursue that at all costs.
2: So on Jonah's iVoterGuide.com, if you look him up on his healthcare stances, you know, they ask him a bunch of questions and, and, and he answers them. It says, is the government's responsibility to ensure everyone has health insurance? And you put disagree, right? Right, right. <clears throat> and I support the elimination of private health care insurance. And you put strongly disagree. Right, and in the comments you say, "Hey, healthcare costs are out of control, and no one should uh, have to go broke to get the quality of care they need." And you can go down that rabbit hole if you want, mm-hmm. but it's—I uh, always use LASIK eye surgery as an example. It used to be super expensive. It used to be the elite got it, and then once they got everybody involved and everyone was getting it, then they got competitive, and then all of a sudden, now it's affordable for everybody.
1: Right. Well, you look at where healthcare costs started to skyrocket. When was that? When the government instituted Medicare and Medicaid. You look at the United States in general, what are the two most heavily subsidized and regulated industries in the United States? Healthcare and education. What are the two industries that the costs have skyrocketed more than any other industry? Education and healthcare. So you begin to realize that the government getting involved in this capacity when it comes to regulating healthcare and ensuring attempting to ensure everybody has insurance and care all it has ever done in any country in human history has led to less quality of care it has led to people fleeing the country to try to get quality care elsewhere has led to huge wait times has led to elective surgeries being dropped and now in the united states as we've continued to socialize our medical industry we're seeing staff shortages like we haven't seen before just now, in New York, with the new variant that's going around um, that hasn't really affected anybody yet in the United States. Uh, you But know, it's a it's, good scare it's, it's, tactic. Yeah, it is. But you see the governor of New York coming down with this mandate, pausing all elective surgeries in the state of New York. So anytime the government is able to take control over an industry like healthcare, you're going to have problems and it's a dangerous path to go down.
0: Well, now you're talking about the new variant, and if I am not mistaken, I believe that they are coming out now and saying that this new variant is going to affect the younger generation more than it's going to affect the older generation. Now, coincidence that they just approved the vaccine for 5 to 12-year-olds, and now we have this variant coming that, listen, it's going to kill your kids. If you love your kids, you will go get your kids vaccinated now. If you don't get your kids vaccinated you're a horrible parent, you hate your kids, and they're probably going to die. They might want to take them from you. They, and you know what? I think we can raise your kids better than you. We're going to come in and we're going to put them in a camp. Now, yeah. I haven't said that, but how far? How far? It, five years ago, if you would have asked me if that was even a possibility, absolutely not. But today, is it a possibility? I mean, are, is it so outlandish that that couldn't happen?
2: Right. So, so back to uh, the cost of health care, and uh, the reason an MRI costs so much is because they always put the product out and say, We give this guy an MRI, it's six thousand bucks. And then the insurance companies or the government, if it's VA, say, We're only giving you three. So they always have to inflate the price to get what they want. Mm-hmm. And it happened to me, you know, I have a high deductible HSA and my daughter needed an MRI to, to, to find something. And I went and paid cash, six hundred bucks for an MRI. Mm-hmm. Because if I ran it through my insurance, I was gonna pay more than that. And that shouldn't happen. That's ridiculous. Right. And it, and it shouldn't happen, and I, and I hated every minute of it, but I understood what I had to do to get it done.
1: Yeah, and, and this happens in every industry. Whenever there are things instituted by the government, whether it's loans or insurance or any of these means that are, are given to people, all it does is artificially inflate prices within that, within that industry. I mean, I can speak personally from taking it back to my student loans, right? The reason college has skyrocketed in cost is because the loans have become more and more available in these institutions, these universities. They understand that they're able to get whatever they ask for because the government will continue to, pass out more and more loans of however high risk they are. And so whether it's 40,000, 50,000, a hundred thousand people are going to be able to get those loans. And so these universities know how to take advantage of it. The same thing is true of, of our medical system, right? The same thing would be true of our restaurant industry. If we were getting loans to go out to eat, right? What would happen to the cost of, of food and restaurants? It would skyrocket. It's universal across industry.
0: Right. Let me, let me get back to medical freedom and, and get off healthcare for a minute. So, with this mandate that's coming out right now, there's been not a lot of pushback against the Biden administration, at least from our elected officials, right? There's pushback from the people. There's pushback from candidates like Jonah, who are showing up at medical freedom rallies all over his district. I mean, uh, but there's also
2: the Supreme Court of Texas that said no.
0: Well, well, and that's a whole that's a whole different thing, right? I mean, now we're getting it. Oh man, Tenth Amendment, I got gets me excited. (laughs) So let me talk about JD Vance for a minute. And I think we're probably all in agreement here. I'm cautiously optimistic with JD Vance, how he's been in the past and kind of what he's saying now, don't quite jive for me, but JD Vance is saying the right things right now. Now, if the JD Vance that I'm hearing out on the campaign trail is the JD Vance, we're going to get in the Senate. I think I'm all on board with that. But here is what J.D. Vance said at the Ohio GOP Senate Forum about uh, medical freedom.
2: The other thing is that Republicans were so, as a party, we are so dumb on this stuff. I mean, look, I mean our elites, I mean our our Republican leaders. We gave the Democrats a bipartisan flag to wave around Washington, D.C. that they're going to use to spend more money. Now, what should we be doing? Right now, we have a Biden administration that's forcing a vaccine mandate down people's throats. At the same time, we have a debt limit coming up. Instead of giving them a bipartisan flag to wave, we should shut down the government until the vaccine mandate ends. We have got to stop playing this game where we, get we keep on getting outplayed. And so long as we keep sending people to Washington to get outplayed by the Democrats, we're going to keep losing our country.
0: Thank you. Mr. All right. So basically, what JD Vance is saying here is that, look, why are we allowing them, why are we giving them the, why are we raising the debt ceiling? Why are we giving them money to go around and spend, say, hey, look, this is bipartisan. We're all on board with this. When in actuality, when he is instituting this vaccine mandate, that we just shut it down. We shut it down. We we tell him, look, we're not giving you, we're not raising the debt ceiling anymore until you do away with this unconstitutional vaccine mandate. Jonah?
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Why would we fund a tyrannical government? Why would we, in any way, put any dollars towards a government that's infringing on our rights. I guess
0: the question is, why do we continue? It, well, yeah, why, find-
1: why do we continue? That, that's right. And I so I think really the answer is, with all of this stuff, I don't think we should be raising the debt ceiling until we pass a balanced budget amendment. Uh, The reality is that we continue to fund a government that infringes on our rights and and has no care for our dollars, our way of life or our prosperity. So why would we continue to allow that to happen?
2: Because it's the new normal from their point of view,
1: right? We have
2: not run on a surplus since 2001. Okay. Mm. And they just, you know, they keep borrowing money to fund the government operations and they say they'll run out of money on December 15th, right? And they've been kicking the can down the road every, every six months. Before, when it started, it'd be like every, every couple of years. They'd raise the debt ceiling every year, and then it'd turn into, you know, twice a year. So, Jonah,
0: what happens if—so, when you get in Congress and you get people behind you and you guys decide, look, we're not doing it, shut the government down. What really happens at that point when the government—when we don't raise the debt ceiling— what really happens? Does the entire government shut down? I mean, is it absolute anarchy in the streets? What happens?
1: No, n- no, the government doesn't shut down. It's simply to borrow a phrase, the non-essential uh, government employees that uh, cease to cease to work. But there, there is a great point made by Thomas Massey, representative of Kentucky, uh, somewhat recently, where where he said, "Listen, we try to always pass these huge budget bills, right? And we're told that it has to happen all in this one huge budget." When in reality, we could break these things down into 20, 30 different bills funding different aspects of the government that actually require legitimate funding, and we can have actual debate over the content instead of passing these 5,000 page spending bills that nobody reads that's just full of more laws regulations and, and spending work
0: and In, infrastructure yeah. right infrastructure 10 percent 10 percent of yeah. the infrastructure bill is
2: going to infrastructure the yeah.
0: other 90 percent is going to shit that is not having anything to right do with the and i can't wait
2: to do the show on it where we go line for line and say 40 billion here 100 billion no, here i can't I'm wait to do it that. i'm all about that so,
1: yeah yeah the 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 infrastructure spending bill is just another example of all of these bills, these spending packages, in reality, all they do is pad the pockets of, of, of crony corporations, lobbyists, and government entities, and the administrative state that soaks up all of this cash that again we don't see a penny of I was talking to a, a mayor of a, of a city in my district and and he was making the point that I think is true as you know nobody likes paying any taxes but when you pay some taxes in your community and you can actually see it materialize into something you're a little less upset than when you know however whatever percentage you're paying goes to the federal government and you don't see a penny of that materialize into anything anything that's useful to you or your family. Oh God.
0: So we, this is so horrible. This is the worst thing could have happened to us right now, because this is now I want to talk about this. We're going to get off. I get, I need to get back to medical freedom, but let me just hit on that real quick. And that has always been my thing is that I believe that the federal government's lost. I don't think in our lifetime, we're going to be able to rein that federal government in. Now that doesn't mean that we don't send people like you there mm-hmm. that are going to start doing the work because we need to start at some point. But I think the way to win this country back is through state governments. I think the way to win it back is to send people that understand state sovereignty and are willing to stand up to the federal government and say, not today. Look, you're seeing right. it in Texas. You're seeing it in Florida. I feel like you say it in every episode. I do. I do. <laughs> but, it's but, important. But, but no matter what we say, it always seems to come back to that. right? And that, uh, t- to yeah. your point, that is exactly what I'm saying, is that when you tell the federal government to go pound salt, just know that they are going to withhold funding from you. All right. They're not, maybe it's highway funding and you're going to have to make that money up somewhere. Now you're still going to have to pay your taxes to federal government. They're just going to withhold it from you, which means that Ohio residents are now going to have to pick it up and you're going to have to pay a little more, but you're going to see it. It's going to stay here. The money that I spend is going to stay here in Ohio. It's not going to go to some homeless guy in Montana, right? You know, or, or not even homeless, right? Just some guy decides he doesn't want to work because he's on the public dole. It's not going to go to that guy. It's going to stay here. And if it does go to somebody who needs help, it's going to stay here. Ohio people, my neighbors, are going to be the ones getting the
1: help. Yeah, and the problem is that the state of Ohio, all the states around the country, really, the state of Ohio and our local communities have tied themselves in so much financially with the federal government. So you have the state of Ohio that gets 30%, 35% of its annual budget from the federal government. So when the federal government comes in with a unconstitutional mandate... Do you think the state of Ohio is going to say no and, and threaten that 30 percent? You know, I had this. Joe Blystown, Will. <clears throat> yeah, Joe Blystown. We had this uh, medical freedom rally uh, in 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 Strongsville, which is part of my district, which is a Republican community. And in Strongsville, the mayor, the Republican mayor, was putting forth this mandate that all city workers had to submit proof of vaccination. He, he pawned it off as some data collection, right? But we obviously know any time that you collect data. There's intent to use that data for something. And in all of these cases, it's led to either bullying or terminating these employees. So we had a rally to protest that. And the response we got from the mayor and from some councilmen, Republicans, they said, well, we, we did this because we wanted to make sure we're securing our federal road funding for road projects. They got you by the balls and, and, and and they do. But what we've continued to do is we've enslaved ourselves to the federal government. And instead of saying, Hey, why don't we secure our basic freedoms? And then we'll figure out how to fix these potholes. We've said, Oh, we'll, 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 we'll take the money to fix the potholes and hopefully the government won't take our rights away. And it's a totally backwards way that Republicans have operated in our local communities for a long time. So
0: I'm not prepared right now with the, uh, with the quote and Dan, I don't know, maybe you could no, because I would have to have it here. Um, I'm not prepared with the quote, but basically there's a, an old, this is Joe Biden back in 72 or whatever, whenever he Mm -hmm. first got elected. I don't know if you guys have heard it, but where he's basically talking about prostituting yourself out for the government. And that is exactly what it sounds like Strongsville did, right? They're saying, hey, look, we don't believe in this, but we're going to go along with it because we need the money. So they basically prostitute themselves out. So the federal government comes, they leave $100 on the nightstand, thanks for your service, and out they go.
1: Right. And, And where were our state governments when the federal government encourage them to lock down our states went along with it and where are where were our local officials at where were our councilmen? where are our sheriffs you know what
0: i'm glad you said that because we're going to get to the second part now jd vance right and that's the 17th amendment and i believe that if you could put your finger on one part of the constitution one amendment that started the downfall of this republic it would be the 17th amendment Um, and i understand the arguments for the 17th amendment there was corruption whatever But basically what the original intent of the Constitution was is that the state legislatures were going to send their representatives to the Senate in Washington, D.C. And their job was going to be to protect states' rights. Represent the states. Represent Mm -hmm. the states. That's it. They had no duty to represent the people. So when there would be laws coming down and it was great for the people, the Senate at that point would say, "Ah, listen, we get it and we love it. As 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 a resident, we love it. But you're infringing on states' rights, so we're going to say no to this. And that's it. It was dead. Well, come the 17th Amendment, well, what do we say? 1913, I think it was, on the Mm, 17th? Somewhere around there. Early 1900s. That's right. uh, 17th Amendment changed the way we do that. So now it's not the states sending representatives. It is the people, through popular vote, sending senators to Washington, D.C., which now means you have two houses that are representing the people, nobody representing the states. So when we have this thing with medical freedom, when you have an unconstitutional mandate coming down across the states, you have a whole lot of people trying to represent the people, but nobody is there stepping up saying, hey, look, you are infringing on Ohio's sovereignty here with this mm-hmm. vaccine
2: mandate. We're not
0: going to tolerate it, and we're going to fight against this.
2: And that's the difference between America and the United States of America. Well, and that's what we said a couple episodes ago, right? I
0: don't believe we're the United States of America. We are the state of America now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We are being controlled by, by the federal government, carte blanche. Ohio doesn't have a say. Texas doesn't have a say. So... Maybe I'm off. I don't know. Where are you on the 17th?
1: No, I I, I go back and forth on this because I understand looking at it through the context of right now, if I was looking at our General Assembly here in the state of Ohio, would I want them picking our senators? No, because I don't trust those people to do anything currently. The problem is we as the people have totally disengaged ourselves. From the political process and from understanding what our representatives are even there to do. So I can only speak from today's context where 95% of people have no idea who their state representative is or their state senator is or the people who would be voting. It's probably higher than that. It's probably higher than that. (laughs) I might be being a little generous. And that's not necessarily, you know, nobody's we're not even taught these things in school, right? You would think part of your civics class might be here are your local officials and you should pay attention to these people because they have make a lot of decisions that affect your life. So on this specific issue, I think you turn back to the same argument where none of this government and this, this Republican form of government cannot function appropriately without a heavily engaged and involved and educated voting base. So Either way, right now, I don't think you would be seeing senators that are really representing the interests of the state or the people.
0: And that's fair. But I guess I always get back to whose fault is that? And that's kind of uh, what, what you were saying there is whose fault is that? OK, so you don't trust the legislature right now right. to send the senators, but who elected the legislature?
1: Right. The pe- people. And, and, so it's not
0: the legislature's fault. That's our fault.
1: Right. Well, that's that's what ultimately we have to awaken to again, is that we complain about things like term limits. We complain about things, you know, we we'll talk about the 17th Amendment, but we have the power over all these things. If we want a self-term limit, and I'm for term limits, but if we want a self-term limit these, these uh, individuals, we have every power to do that, but we don't exercise it. And I think Ultimately, you can go into the details of all these different issues in the 17th Amendment, right or wrong, but it doesn't really matter if the people are so disengaged like we are right now. I think you'll wind up with the same end product.
0: 100%. Dan,
2: let's uh, let's move on. Okay, so what's your next one? The Guide has you listed as panel rating as somewhat conservative.
1: Yeah, I was a little irritated at that, I'll have to admit.
2: I don't know the what the i Voter guide does and and it's kind of the first time I just read it, but it starts out with your uh, right to life, okay, mm-hmm. so you know it real quick, just just to run through it uh, on abortion providers, including Planned Parenthood, should not receive taxpayer funds. you strongly agree
1: yeah absolutely and 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 just on the issue of life, I'm a christian, I'm a religious person. this argument to me is so much it's beyond religion, not that there is anything beyond religion to me that is greater, but this argument. Scientifically, human life is proven to begin a conception. Each individual child is proven to have their own set of DNA and fingerprints that will never again re- be replicated and are scientifically proven to be a un- unique and independent being from the mother. So for all of those reasons, that's, that's why I'm pro-life and, and believe that any organization that is providing abortion services should should not receive a penny of federal funding or of any any funding.
2: Right. And then so you move on to the economy. And uh, when they ask you, it is the government's responsibility to ensure everyone has a a livable income. You disagree.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because basically what that question is asking is, do we provide a universal basic income to individuals? Okay,
0: let's get to it real quick, though. The, The government's responsibility to ensure everyone has a livable income. Not in the Constitution, Jim? Show me. <laughs> Show me where in the Constitution it says that the government has the authority to ensure that everyone has a livable income. Now, back in the day, it was the states, it was the churches, it was the communities that took care of their own. All of a sudden, the general welfare clause, right, seems to mean welfare as in social welfare. And hey, hey, man, let's let's send right.
1: the other, billions the, of dollars. The other way to interpret that question is is it the government's job to create an atmosphere? That individuals, every individual, can attain a living wage, which is true. But most of the time, all that means is the government just doing nothing and getting out of the way and stop interfering with individuals who are trying to make a living wage, but can't because of all of this. Let the free
2: it, market handle it. Is that what you're saying? Right. Oh, right. Okay. okay. So uh, we could talk about this all day, I think, but I,
0: I, I think he's just trying to seduce me now. <laughs>
2: Calm down, Jim. Free enterprise and the right to private property are essential elements of productive economic system. You strongly agree?
1: Strongly agree. Every single socialist communist system that's tried to take away those basic things has failed miserably and led to the deaths of hundreds of millions of people.
2: Uh, Social Security is a thing for me, uh, and, and and it pisses me off because people look me in the face and being forty one years old, and they're like, that shit's not going to be there when you get there. But right. sorry. So, how would you guarantee Social Security benefits uh, for a few generations? You said our entitlement system is in need of desperate reform.
1: Yeah. So, what what you need to do is you need to allow an opt out because any individual, they can take that same money that they're paying into Social Security and put it in a standard mutual fund. They'll have more money on the back end than they will out of Social Security, if it even exists, by the time they get to that retirement age. So what we should do is be providing an opt-out, so we're putting less of a burden on the federal government at large and the taxpayer base, um, and slowly privatizing the industry. We're also going to have to raise the retirement age, there's no doubt about it. The, The Social Security was put in place the retirement age, when it was put in place, was two years after the average life expectancy of right. the average. So this was intended to really last you through the last few years of your life. And now it's become a retirement plan for 20 or 30 years, and it's just not sustainable. Again, and I think I might know what you're going to say, Jim, is is this in the Constitution?
0: Uh, well, no. no. <laughs> listen, that's always what I'm going to say. That's a yeah. fair. No. So Andrew Wilkow, do you ever listen to him? No. All right. So Andrew Wilkow is on Patriot XM and uh, channel 125. I'm going to throw him a bone, man. Uh, Andrew Wilkow is my go-to guy. Mark Levin, Mm -hmm. who sometimes gets a little over your head if you're just a common guy. But he's fired up. He's fired fired up. up. I love him. He is brilliant. But sometimes over your head. Andrew Wilkow, he could be sitting around this table with us right now. All right. Mm -hmm. So Andrew Wilkow has a segment called uh, Promises Made, Promises Kept. And what that is, is folks like yourself that are running for... Congress that don't have the backing of big money. He lets them come on his show and he gives you a whole segment and he's got three questions that he asks everybody who comes on there. All right. And one of those questions he asks when we're talking about spending here is, are you for cutting spending? Now we're not talking about proposed spending. Right bills that come in, and we have a four trillion dollar bill, and you're like, well, I think we can cut it down to one point nine trillion. Look, I just saved you guys, you know, two point one trillion dollars. Well, you Thank didn't. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Jonah. Thank you. Oh my God. <laughs> We're not worthy. Oh God. You know what, I just want to put a sign in my yard for you for next time now.
1: I No, it's 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 like Black Friday shopping when you go out and you buy something that's normally listed at $150 and you buy it for $139. You didn't save ten dollars, you still spend $140. <laughs> so right, it's the same exactly, thing with our exactly. Yeah.
0: So are you where do you stand on cutting spending? Existing spending. Jonah Scholl's day one in Congress.
2: Right, right. Well, it says right here, what government spending would you reduce in order to balance the budget? Entitlement reform is essential. These are his words, right? It is the single biggest driver of debt in our government. Okay. I saw that. Mm-hmm. All right. And we're talking about entitlement, and
0: I don't think anybody would take away entitlement. Mm-hmm. But how about the Department of Education, Jonah?
1: Yeah, well. Gross. It is. It is. We're, we're with, <laughs> with COVID, with COVID, <laughs> like, with COVID uh, relief money. The Department of Education is spending over $100 billion in one year, and, and it's on pace to grow you know, $70 billion a year if it doesn't continue to get more assistance. Now, you have to ask yourself the question, does one penny of this get to any child? Does one penny of this improve our education system? What has happened to our education system since we've created a federal Department of Education, and what creates the most prosperous, the most successful education system, is it a top-down approach over a nation of 330 million people, or is it all of these local communities having their own independent education system and allowing individuals to f- flow freely throughout these education systems and use their own taxpayer dollars to use on their child's education? So the Department of Education is the example I always go back to as a government bureaucratic organization that just needs to be 100% completely abolished. It doesn't need to be cut. It doesn't need. We don't need to cut spending. Oh. We need to abolish it. So we have. The de- <laughs> I swear to God, dude, this guy. <laughs> the Department of Education is just one oh. example of that. And so, if you look at spending in the United States, when do I have to move into his district to be able to vote? Yeah, <laughs> you're going to quit this
2: podcast and <laughs> go. Yes. I'm go. Uh, listen, when he,
0: when we went to the Northern Georgia Republican Club for him, I was joking around with him. I'm like, listen, dude, I'm going to introduce you. You need a hype man. I'm going to follow him around wherever he goes. I'm going to be his fucking hype the man. Microphone. Yeah, God, dude, you're just going to be like that. That guy with the boombox on his on That's his shoulder. Right. You're That's gonna be right. playing the music, and I'm gonna be like, "Are you ready to rumble?" <laughs> but,
1: <sighs> well, let's talk about it. Well, just to close on 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 the spending. The United States, year after year, we set records for our tax revenue. Year after, year. as far as going up, yes, and 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 year after year, we set records for our deficit. Yeah, right, so. What is the real problem here? Is it our tax revenue? Is our tax rate not high enough? Obviously not the case. No, the spending's, so we, we, out, the we, spending's cut, out of control. We cut you taxes know it. under Trump, and we had tax revenue records. So the problem is our spending, the spending's out of control, and Department of Education is just one example of the the, the bureaucratic sponge that just soaks up all of that taxpayer money that, that goes to nowhere, essentially, except padding the pockets of bureaucrats.
2: So, so back to social security, when I get my moderate party (laughs) off the ground Mm -hmm. and, and we are in control and we have a convention of States, I feel like, uh, one of the things I'm going to put in the constitution is that they have to repay me every single cent I put into social security up front. So when I'm eligible for social security, I get the check. It's theft. Dude, it's (laughs) theft. They've taken money from you for your whole
0: life, and you're not going to see a penny of it. It's theft. Because I've, I've been working since I was a young listen, child. Any right? state paying a lot you of look, money in social security, I the, want it back. Look at the definition of theft in any state. The federal government is thieving right now. Put cuffs you. on them, Jim.
1: Well, every every single aspect of our of our of Western our government is, is 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 stuff at this point look at our look at our ta- I mean the perfect example everybody gets so excited for tax return season when you get your you know however many thousand you know a couple thousand a couple hundred bucks or maybe you have to pay more it depends so you get some money back but nobody realizes that all you were doing was giving the government a interest-free loan for an entire year and by the time you get your money back with the inflation that we have now it's wor- worth less. Than when you put it in. So all of these different aspects, it's just the government taking advantage and the tax code. Another, for example, it's written so complicated. So the average person has no way of understanding it, that all of this stuff is intentional to really put one over on, on the average working person.
2: Okay. And on your I voter guide it says under what circumstances should taxpayers help pay off existing student loans? And you say under no circumstances, as an individual who graduated college, you know, with a lot of money in student loans, I understand how difficult it is to be in this kind of debt.
1: Yeah. So I, I graduated college with a hundred grand in loans and it's miserable. The the it's But you the, agreed to it. I did. You I, checked I, the box. I put my name to it. And and again, you're you're 18 years old you don't know hardly anything. It's a, it's a really difficult decision. You're telling, you're telling kids. You could have
2: kids, been a pharmacist for that.
1: You're, you're, tell, no, you're, you're telling kids. Yeah. And here I am. And you're, you're telling kids at 18, okay, go go take out this loan and go decide what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Predatory. And as a culture, we're told that's the only way to be successful. Joe Biden even tweeted months and months ago that you can't be successful in America without two years of college. Oh. And which is an outright lie, because I'll tell you what I graduated with a finance degree, hundred thousand dollars in student loans. I'm getting job offers for twenty eight grand a year yeah. in finance, yeah. and working some you know rinky dink sales job. Yeah. And I, I, you know, you're you're trapped, right? You can't pay rent and your loans and food and all of these different things. Your car payment, yeah. whatever you, know, you have.
0: Let me ask you this though: I, Is it? Uh, part of me says, you know what? Yeah, let the federal government erase this. You know why? Because you did this. You preyed on these 18-year-old kids. You backed these loans knowing that they were going to go into life with $100,000 in debt that they were never going to be able to pay back. You know what? Let the government do You're doing it. it out of spite, yeah. Jim. You're doing it out of spite. Well, we need okay. to do it
1: out of reality.
2: Okay,
0: but still- they, it was predatory. Right. And Let they, them eat it.
1: Right. And, and, and they might do that, but then what happens? What are they going to do to eat that? They're just going to print more cash or tax yeah. us more. No,
0: they're not. You know why they're not? Because you're not going to let them,
2: Jonah. Because <laughs> right. you and all, all <laughs> the people, all, all the but guys this, like, like this you, that are running. About that. Jonah's going to put a stop to it and go, nope, not no more. And then they're going to be like, this conservative is holding up the country.
0: Okay. Okay. You <laughs> know yeah, what? Then, Media, then, you know right? Right? That's what yeah. they would do. Yeah. No, but the, but they, then listen, that's where the people have to rise up and we got to back Jonah. We got to say, look, we don't care
2: yeah. what you
1: want yeah. as the government. Like damn right
2: he is. You don't. <laughs> exactly.
1: well, well, this, this, this is where you get to the center of everything, which is I win. I do all these things. I can fight. With everything I have, I can do all the right things, say all the right things. And if I'm one of 435, I will accomplish nothing in the government sense, right? Mm-hmm, you can rally mm-hmm. people, They're you not can motivate play ball people. With you. So, unless you have this movement where you're gathering people who believe the things that we do from coast to coast and really have the backing of the people, you're not going to see the, these kind of changes. And that's why I think beyond one election here or there, it's so important to cultivate a generation of leaders, but also the grassroots backing that these individuals are going to need to be able to take on these huge challenges that the government, the bureaucracy, Wall Street, Silicon Valley don't want them to to take on.
0: All right. Let me ask you this. How do you feel about the woke military? How, <laughs> well, do, you, how do you feel about, you know what, we care more about trans rights than we do about winning conflicts.
1: The scary thing about this is, I think if most of us took a objective look at our military and we thought if we were put in, into a, co- a legitimate conflict with China right now, do you have any confidence that we would win that? No, no. I, I don't. I, I do don't. if
2: they come to my house. Well, maybe. Well, maybe they show up to your house. Dan's going to take them, on. Dan's gonna take yeah, them but, on.
1: Yeah, try to try to roll on the shores. But if they show <laughs> <up> to, <laughs> to roll on the shores, see <laughs> what happens. If, if they show up to General Milley's house, right, then, right between every he's blade of be, grass. Yeah. So. <laughs> Again, this is the scary part about the left, how they try to take over every institution. What is the intention behind this they woke are. push in the military? The, 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 the woke push, the, the mandatory vaccine push, all of this stuff is intended to, to purge conservative-minded patriots from the military. As soon as you have a military that is completely made up of these woke leftists, then we're really in trouble. Right? They started it I, in
2: the Obama Obama administration.
1: What? I've seen it happen. Right. and, bunch and they're
0: and they're already getting they're already getting their way through the vaccine mandate. How yeah. many of these ten thousand Marines? They listen, said. how many true war fighters right now are hitting the road because they're like, look, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing the vac- They're putting they're instilling their people into the military right now, mm-hmm. and within a generation. You're not going to recognize him, man. Right? It's going to be like you know what it is. It's going to be like season eight on PUBG, the video game, right? Where and there was a meme going around where with PUBG when it started in season one, everybody was in fatigues, they're wearing helmets, they were had rifles. By season five, they're all dressed like unicorns, and you know because they have all these these add on costumes, so they're all dressed like unicorns. They're, they're larping like, anyway. Shorts and you know that's that's exactly what the military is now. We started out as war fighters, and now we're getting into like season five of PUBG, man. Where I'm like, this is not the army that I joined in 1989. I can tell you that, right? 100%. And,
1: and, and there's there's this commercial uh, that went viral. Side by side, because there's this Russian military recruitment ad oh, that had yeah, yeah. that had this, you know, this, you know, muscular guy. He's like doing push ups and, you know, he's got this huge machine gun, you know, battle cries and all this stuff. Extremely just masculine, testosterone driven ad that just makes you want to, you know, go fight somebody like the military ads are oh, kind right, of supposed right, to do. Right. And then you had the American ad that talked about this girl who grew up with two moms and attended pride rallies, and that's what prepared her to fight in the military. And so you, you begin to realize all of this stuff is is so intentional. And the military in many ways is one of the last or was one of the last conservative leaning institutions left in the United States. Then you've seen what they've tried to do through all of these different things that they've done against our police department, against the military and trying to drive out those individuals who would uphold our constitution, uphold the rule of law and fight for our foundational American principles. And, and, you know, we're going to see some really catastrophic well, results of that continues. That's it,
0: man. Russia is bringing their, their kids up, their soldiers up to destroy America, North Korea, bringing their kids up, their soldiers up to destroy America, mm-hmm. Iran.
2: To destroy America, China to destroy America. Bring it to the shores. Yeah. Well, you say that. I do say that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> I know who I'm rolling with. <laughs> National <laughs> security on this iVoter Guide. Uh, the best way to maintain peace is uh, through a strong military, and you agree uh, about just all the things that you went over.
1: Yeah, and and but it, you know the we do have to heavily audit where our military spending is going as well. Oh, that, because that's a if, big number. And and, and that's going to take that's going to take a lot. It's it's uh, to go back to entitlements. It's significantly less than our entitlement spending that not a lot of people want to talk about our military spending. But we do have a huge military industrial complex that has really gotten out of control that we do need to address that spending as well in a in a smart fashion. All not right, just me, cutting.
0: Let me get to two things real quick and then I want to talk about something that's probably not real big on the uh on my campaign trail. Number one, Second Amendment. Where are you at? Do you believe not infringed means not shall not be infringed? Or do you believe shall not be infringed means, well, shall not be infringed, but
1: it's pretty simple
0: under pretty certain s- circumstances. Uh, it, it, yeah. it,
1: it, it's pretty simply stated, shall not be infringed. So the only thing that needs to get done moving forward is what we need to protect our existing rights, but we need to remove the vast majority, if not all of gun laws off the books, because the entire purpose of the second amendment is for individuals to defend themselves against a tyrannical government. That is the purpose of it. And it's self-protection.
2: For, Protection. Yeah. No, it's, no it, wait a minute. It, it, the constitution,
0: well, the constitution actually has a clause in there for hunting. So you're only allowed to possess weapons for hunting. Isn't that right, Jonah? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, you you went to the AOC, uh, wow. AOC uh, Constitution oh, is that, boot camp, is that not I think. Right? Not, um, uh, where's, well,
0: your, where's your packet, Constitution? The, no, no, no. It, I got it right here. I'll look <laughs> it up. Hold on. Um.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the the purpose of the Second Amendment is to defend yourself, your family, your property, from, and your rights from threats, foreign and domestic, whatever that may be.
0: So are you on board with all
2: gun laws are unconstitutional? Or do you
1: think
0: mm.
2: that, eh, look, I... Well, let's talk about the elephant in the room—the felon with the uh, with the long history of uh, uh, of assault and mental problems. Are you trying to keep guns away from him?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think there are circumstances in which you lose your rights, right? Correct, and that being a felon is agree. one of them. I agree. Yeah, there are certain circumstances. But I in which you that right should can- not be infringed. Again, these rights, when we're talking about, we're talking about we have rights to vote, we have rights to defend ourselves, we have all these different things. You do lose certain abilities to operate within the confines of society when you break the rules of that society.
0: I have always said that I believe to live in a, a civilized society, there has to be rules in place. Because if you don't, it's just anarchy. It's a wild west. It's, it's wild like the west. first,
1: it's like the first amendment. I can't go to you. I can't knock on your door and say, I'm going to kill you. Right. That is not constitutionally protected speech. So there's always Well, you limits. can,
0: but then I'm going to be standing next to your mother every anniversary on your death with a candle <laughs> saying, oh man, he was a good guy.
1: That <laughs>
2: Jonah, he just didn't know what to quit.
1: So, yeah, there are there are limits to what you can do within a society. And, and, that, and that's kind of where there's this contrast between the libertarian, the conservative, the far left liberal, where there's this belief where there's no confines within society to operate. But society must have some guardrails or else it just it just becomes anarchy and chaos and ultimately creates this vacuum for authoritarianism.
0: Where are you on constitutional carry federally?
1: 100 percent. That would be my first initiative on the Second Amendment would be instituting constitutional carry.
0: Okay. Right on. And uh, last thing here, and then we're going to take a break. Last thing, your other important issues here. Where are you on Israel?
1: Well, I think Israel is our one legitimate ally in the Middle East. And we don't have very many allies on this earth. That doesn't mean we shouldn't hold People accountable, right? We hold every we should hold everybody to the same standard. But I do believe that there is an interest, both politically, national security wise, and morally, to have a connection of pulling the one Jewish state in this world that actually, you know, specifically in the Middle East, actually protects the rights of its Jewish citizens. So I, I believe that we should, in every way that we can, promote them as long as they are acting in you know, the correct way, which with a lot of their vaccine mandates and the way that they have treated their citizens over the last year and a half that has happened all around the globe in many, many countries, you start to you start to wonder who actually has any kind of uh, admiration or respect for for liberty in any of their countries.
2: And they asked that in the iVoter Voter Guide. I support BDS boycott, divestment, and sanctions against Israel if they refuse to allow any of the creation of a Palestine state. And you strongly disagree,
1: right? Yeah, I, I, I strongly disagree because... We always talk about the Palestinian state and without the conversation of the Palestinian state is controlled by a terrorist organization in Hamas. The Palestinian state is not a legitimate government. It's a terrorist organization. That's only goal is to wipe Israel and the Jewish people off the face of the earth. So under no circumstances would I want to to give any aid to them or harm our one ally in Israel.
2: In my moderate party, when people ask me how I feel about Israel, I feel the same way about everybody else. If you mess with us, you'll find out. Okay, Israel, what are you doing for me? I don't know. I don't know. But it's sure. not it's not important for what we need to do as a country to get together and get right here. That's what my moderate party is going to be about, and we'll talk about it in the next segment.
0: Oh, well, you're America first. I mean, you are America first. You don't give a fuck about anybody else. Nope. Right. So all right. So let me get real quick. We got about fifteen minutes left. If you've got fifteen minutes left to give. Yep. Okay. So we got fifteen minutes left. Let's get back to Jonah Scholes. Let's talk about
2: you want to talk about the elephant in the room. What are you, twenty six? 26. 26 years old. Well, right? well, let me bring that home for all my friends that were born in 1980, okay? While we were listening to Shimmy Shimmy Ya by ODB, while we were listening to I Got Five on It by Looney's, and Friday by Ice Cube, this kid was born, okay? And there's not a lot of kids your age that come through the work site where I'm at that come to the job site that I'm like, Man, this kid's good. Right. You know, right, there's right. not a
0: lot of them. So, there's a few. Well, and here's the thing,
2: but is he's that, one of them. Is that
0: we have been conditioned to believe that if you are not an attorney, you are not an old white guy. Successful businessman. Successful businessman. Yeah. Rich. You, you can't be you can't be a congressman, right? right? You don't know enough. We're not gonna put some 26-year-old kid in there. Jesus. I mean, what possibly could happen here? This could be a disaster. So why, at 26 years old, why should we even give you the second thought right now? 26, what do you know? Do you know anything? And you know what? We were at the Ridgeville thing, and we listened mm -hmm. to you talk. And you talked about that moment when you had decided, I think it was eighth grade, Mm -hmm. where you said, look, man, something needs to change. So a, why should we vote for you at 26? What do you know? Because I know a whole lot of 26-year-olds right now. Dude, when, <laughs> when I was 26, every place I worked for wanted to fire me. <laughs> I look back when I was 26, man. I'm like, oh, my God. I, you're going to put me in charge of running this country. There's no, holy shit.
1: So, well, I, I always point back to our founding fathers, Right when we are fighting our revolution, when we are signing our Declaration of Independence, how old were these individuals? Many of them were in their twenties, low twenties. Many of them were in their low thirties. Yeah, you know, retired of that shit. Thomas Jefferson was twenty-five when he was first elected to the Virginia House of Delegates. When you love your country, when you have a passion for. Benefiting and helping the life of your fellow man. I don't believe that there's an age requirement for that. I do understand people who come to me. You know, I I talk to these you know sixty year old individuals who maybe they're they've worked in a, you know manufacturing plant their whole life and they've worked hard. They've built a family. And many people have built a business and and they've they've lived a lot of life and they come to me and 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 say, how can we expect you to understand us? My response is that although I'm twenty six years old, I I do believe that. I have lived a lot of life, relatively to most individuals my age, and, and all of my understanding is, listen, when we're thinking about who should represent us in Congress, what is, the fir- what is the number one requirement? Do they love our country? Do they love our values, and will they uphold our Constitution? Next, you know, what have they done in their lives to show that they are willing to sacrifice and give of themselves? in service. And so, you know, founding two nonprofit organizations that are solely committed to benefiting the lives of those less fortunate, one renovating rundown baseball fields and underprivileged communities, the other planting urban gardens, doing donation drives for the homeless, uh, at-risk youth centers. I've always been an individual that's been searching for how can I use my God-given talents and abilities to benefit those around me. And that's what led me into, into politics at this young of an age. One understanding that we don't, none of us have the luxury to sit on the sidelines and watch, right? Our country is being destroyed. We don't have many election cycles to turn this around. So if I'm to wait till I'm 35 or 45, I don't even know if we're going to have a country by that point.
0: Hallelujah. One of the things you said that we actually brought up on one of the shows is you believe that at this point you can either sit back and cower in the corner and Wait for what's coming, but get a couple more good years out of it, right? Or you can stand up and fight right now. Yeah. You can stand up right now, be uncomfortable and fight so that you may have not just a couple years, but you may have generations left.
1: Yeah, there, there are, those are the two choices we have. And I think what we all have to ask ourselves is in 10 years and 20 years and 50 years, are you willing to look your children, your grandchildren in the eye and say, I sat there and did nothing mm-hmm. and now... As a result, you are a slave. That's it. And I think that understanding, you know, I don't have kids, but I know, you know, I I plan on someday. But I know I don't want to look my fellow man in the eye and say right now in this moment that's so crucial. And I believe in world history, this is one of those moments. I don't want to be the one that was on the sideline and did nothing.
0: Jonah, there's going to come a day where your grandkids are going to look at you and say, look, man, we are, Grandpa, we are in history right now learning about 2020, Mm -hmm. 2021. And what did you do during the great liberal takeover? Right. And you're going to say, hey, I planted you know, my flag and stood tall or or
1: flip that or s- flip flip that script and say you're having that same conversation. And they ask you, what did you do to turn this around? Right. It looks so bad. What what did you do? And you can you can look them in the eye and you can say, this is what we did. We didn't give up. We didn't back down. We didn't cower. We got out there and we put everything on the line like our founding fathers did in 1776. And we said, hey, listen, there's nothing more precious than our liberty. And we're not going to do this for ourselves. We're going to do this, one, for all of those that came before us and sacrificed everything so that we could have this opportunity. And two, for all of those who are going to come after us that we owe them. While we still have the opportunity to fight, and I always say this to people when I'm going around talking, think about how few people in all of human history have even had the opportunity to fight for their liberty. Almost none. We are in a small period of time where we ha- still have that opportunity, and we cannot let that go to waste because there may never be another United States of America, any other nation like this in the history of the world. This might be the last stand right. of liberty. We've been
2: holding on oh. for a while, but wait was, a minute. There's one thing... Oh. On this iVoterGuide.com that you went neutral on, do you know what it is?
1: Um, um, it might have. Not, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Oh, okay.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. The support of the legalization of recreational marijuana. Of what?
1: Yeah, recreational marijuana.
2: Recreational marijuana. marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Joe, what?
1: <laughs> yeah, <There's>
2: that's a, <laughs> a, <laughs>
1: yeah, that's an issue. Well,
2: hold on. Let me talk to you about yeah. it first, okay? Because you went to college. Mm -hmm. And all your friends, maybe not in the baseball community, but all your friends in college were smoking weed like it was legal. They didn't even care about it. It was wide open. You're young enough to remember mm-hmm. that it was even when I was a kid yeah. in, in the in the late 90s. That stuff was uh, available, almost like it was legal anyway. Right. And then we have a, a, a thing about prohibition, to where the states just did it uh, away with it so bad that the, they weren't helping the federal government do nothing. And the, the states government... basically
0: nullified prohibition. Yeah, and right. it's going
2: to be the same thing with this. With All right, this, And uh, let me
0: before you answer, let me throw in my two cents worth as a 29 year law enforcement officer. K9. K9. Uh, that, um, listen, the amount of money that we're spending on marijuana enforcement is disgusting. Uh, We could absolutely take that money and put it into opiates, right? Put it into things that are really hurting people. Fentanyl. Fentanyl. I am 100% on board with that. And I am 100% on board with the federal legalization of marijuana. The tax revenue
2: alone is crazy. Well,
0: yeah. Okay. The tax revenue. But the amount of work that we put in on it, the amount of strain that it puts on the courts for marijuana, right? I have fought a whole lot of people that are drunk, right? When people OD on heroin, we have fought those people when we give them Narcan and bring them back. They wake up and immediately want to fight. I have never in memory fought somebody high on marijuana. Now, with that said, if it is the law, if it is a legitimate law, It is my duty to enforce that law, and I will. But I believe that we should legalize marijuana on the federal level, state level, just
2: legalize it. It's not—I don't think it's hurting anybody. But But when I see that he is neutral on it, to me, he's voting present.
1: So on this particular issue, and and you brought up things in college, and it's true, a lot of individuals are smoking weed all throughout college, and and a lot of individuals, I mean, young adults especially— I'll be clear that I've, I've never smoked marijuana in my life. I have no intention of doing it in the future. But the issue that I always come back to that I'm nervous about in legalizing recreational marijuana is the effect that it will have on younger gener- younger children, the access that it will now give to younger and younger children. It's just That's like my alcohol. They all,
2: they all have the age. It's cigarettes, too. They all have the age. They're allowed to get it, and they're going to get it anyway.
1: Right. And when, we, when you look at... There being more barriers to getting, you know, weed, the individuals in high school, in middle school, they have more barriers. It's not like they can just go to an older sibling and say, "Hey, can you go purchase this for me for me at the liquor store?" So, there are some differences there. I've also seen a lot of individuals in college and other places that again it, it started with marijuana and it led to a lot of other things
2: you're saying gateway drugs
1: yes so and and when you look at tax revenue and things like that there's there's a lot of disagreement as far as there's studies out there that say because of the doors that that opens through the medical system, injuries, homelessness, different things that actually, you know, if you look at Denver, their tax revenue, much of their tax revenue that they brought in from marijuana went to fighting the homelessness problem that got way worse once they legalized marijuana. So there's a lot of conflicting issues with it. And that's why I put neutral, because I understand the more libertarian approach of, is it that harmful? And should we be regulating it to that extent?
2: And I I like it because being as young as you are, you know, you can get the vote from the people that want it so bad Mm -hmm. that you're willing to still stay neutral. And I think that's cool.
1: I, I think the best way personally, I think the best way to go with marijuana is ballot initiatives. I think it's best to go through the states, mm. get the federal government out of it and allow the people of their communities to, to dictate that. Mm. That's Talking what I believe on that specific Amendment issue.
2: Again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, bringing it back to the states. Now, Back to how they labeled you somewhat conservative, I have to imagine they labeled you somewhat conservative because you had put here that you have not been convicted of a felony. Congratulations. Hey, <laughs> nice work, Dave. Nice work. Yeah, nice yeah. Work.
1: I've worked hard at that. Dan I've worked hard it. at that.
2: I'm I just kidding. Too. I'm G- down.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I was not convicted of a felony. <laughs> So all the other bullshit that goes along with when they ask you those questions about, you know, how you feel about this or that. I think we hit on all the important topics and the ones that I know I don't care about because they don't affect my everyday life. And they're mm-hmm. just they're just something that always keeps us keeps us divided. And I freaking hate it. And when someone asks me how I feel about abortion, I always go, it's a state's right. OK, so if you live in Ohio and they want abortions and they voted for abortions and you don't want to do abortions, leave. OK, it's state's thing. Don't ask me how I feel Go about it. Go to Kentucky where they where where they don't allow it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. Please That's do. How it was supposed well to work. please do
1: Well I I think I think the argument to that would be Everything comes back to, what is the the legitimate purpose of the federal government? Legitimate purpose of the federal government is to defend the rights of the individual. So when you look at issues, let's just take it back to the past, there's the state's rights argument on slavery, right? But we all know that was a massive infringement on the rights of the individual and should never been allowed by the federal government to begin with. The same thing I would say for abortion when you're talking about the legitimate life of an innocent individual who has done nothing wrong, who is, again, unique, scientifically human life under no circumstances. Do, does anybody have a right to execute that life? And so that's why I think it's not a state's rights issue. It's where uh, does the federal government step in? You know, individual. Jonas
0: said uh, as soon as he said uh, the federal government, it's individual, you know, protecting the individual. Right. I'm like, he's got me.
2: There's no coming back from this. He's yeah. He's hundred percent. But I'm right. on the other side going, we're not arguing about it. Okay. No. We need to fix this country. And if you ask me how I feel about abortion, then me and you can just fist fight and you're gonna get yeah. tired of getting well, your we, ass kicked <laughs> about asking me stupid questions because it has nothing to do with getting this country on track, getting our shit together and, and becoming See, and becoming
1: awesome. I think I think because. it I think it I think it does <laughs> right? and, That's and what this, it comes down to And this is uh, I think this I is where know you, you have the conversation of this is what I always get back to why I think abortion is so important. The issue of abortion is, can you have a functioning society, a functioning culture that does not appreciate life at its most beginning stage? If you don't appreciate life at its most beginning stage, are you going to appreciate the life of your fellow man at an older stage who's made more mistakes, who's done more things wrong, who's may have harmed you in different ways? So I view it more as where the culture and society is going as far as our respect for life and therefore one. So that's where all these things, I believe, tie in. In my campaign, where we, I haven't focused just on what is political, right? Because you, what has to be fixed is our politics, our culture, and even our spirituality as a country. All of these different things are broken, and I think they're all interconnected. So those are things that you you have a conversation about, and we can do that without being multi. Well, maybe you'll punch me, but I won't punch you, and you I know we'll you, have that conversation.
2: I was <laughs> gonna take you, I mean, me. dude. I've been waiting to punch Dan. Just I... there you go. Okay. So you went to the University of Finley, and you played baseball as an infield. Hold on. Let me just, yeah, let me right? just say,
0: let me just say that this was one of those points that shapes me as a person for real. I'm not even lying. This is one of those points that I think Jonah's right. I think I'm wrong. I think I'm wrong that abortion is a state's rights issue. I think the federal government absolutely has the right to protect the unborn. And he sold you live on air. He did. Holy <laughs> she shit. did. I, I think I've come around. I'm not, okay, I'm that's not fine. even kidding. That's I, fine. I think I'm on board with that. Go move to California. I, whatever. <laughs> Whatever you know what you want to talk about being a commie. You want me to tell people what you did with the Buffalo Trace today? Do you want me to tell them? No. You want me to tell? Yeah. You want me to tell them how you mixed it with cranberry ginger ale? You want me to tell them that? That was my wife's cranberry ginger ale. No. Well, no. either no. way, I'm
2: exposed. Either way, <laughs> you got me in trouble on two fronts. Anyway. So <laughs> So you played uh, infield, Oh shit. right? Yeah. Uh, and the people want to know uh, how fast have you been clocked on the arm there for throwing a baseball.
1: The fastest I was ever clocked was 88. Whoa. Um, that's so, right. He's putting um, a heater up listen, there.
2: Listen, Cedar Point, man, 73 was the best <laughs> I could do. So I was at the University of to Toledo in the 90s partying with my friends, and I met this baseball player. He's like, I'm a pitcher, and I'm like, I can catch. And he's like, all right, go two I driveways bet. down. I went two driveways down, and I'm like, this is too close. This is too close. <laughs> And this dude threw me a heater, and it literally, like, I caught it. It did like a, it did like a oh, swoop God. down to where mm-hmm. I had to like frame the damn thing, but it knocked me over. But I caught it. But I was like, I told you I can catch it. But <laughs> well, I, the, oh my God, it hit me with it's a heater!
1: <laughs> it's yeah, close. it's amazing what. So when I after after college, I played some independent pro ball in New Mexico, Delaware. Yeah, my and, nephew did the same thing. And, and so my my first at bat in practice in New Mexico, I had this brand new Marucci wood bat. It was pretty expensive. I got up in the box. This kid was just getting off a plane. He had flown in from Indiana. His college season had just ended. His senior year, and he he was starting up with us. He comes in, strikes out the guy in front of me. Strikes out the next guy. I get up to bat, and he throws this. I think it was about ninety-three it was this uh it was just a cut fastball or a two seam and just absolutely shattered my brand new Marucci <laughs> bat. The bat I mean, the ball dribbled to the third baseman, the bat flew like a hundred feet down the line. And I was just like, yeah, I became my first at bat, just brought this bat. This kid just makes me look like an idiot. And And and, it's toast, but that's the amazing thing is, is you go from that college to that, that pro level. And, you know, I was playing first base I'm the shortest first base I'm the smallest first base. When I play outfield, I'm the slowest outfielder. I have the worst arm. (laughs) And it's like one of those things where you just, you, you see this talent uh, and it's, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible.
2: When I go to the, uh, the Cleveland, what are they called now? the uh, guardians yeah you, yeah the old indians uh, <laughs> when i go to their games and <laughs> i watch them guys throw from outfield from the third yeah. baseline i'm they're throwing it effortlessly yeah and launching it and and like the guy doesn't even have to move right to catch the ball i'm like this is ridiculous
1: right yeah and well, with the they the, i remember watching trevor to pitch for the indians he'd throw foul pole to foul pole he could throw the ball 450 feet and it just it, it doesn't seem possible Right. It's, it's, it's incredible Especially when you've done it,
0: you're like, <laughs> yeah. there's no way. Like I could get a run and start, turn around 360, and then launch yeah. it and then still, fall
1: flat on your face. You've yeah. done yeah. so much effort. And right? It, and it would not, it would not even come close. And that's, that's the, that's the amazing part is that so many of these guys in sports in general, just built, they're just built differently. Their genetics. It's a, it's incredible.
2: All right.
0: Last thing we got to go last thing today, we cracked a bottle of Western reserve 14 year. Everybody tried it. What do you think? Dan?
2: Um, I'm still uh, sipping on it a little bit, even though I'm a shooter. It's hot. Uh, I am sipping on it a little bit. It's got that linger on the back of your throat like it's been sitting around for a while because that's what they do in the barrels, and um, I like it. You'd have it again? I just had it again. (laughs)
1: Well, well, the last time we were together, Jim, you said, uh, you know, you asked about whiskey, and I told you I wasn't a big fan. You call you call me a communist. (laughs) um, Well, there's still a little bit in your glass. So how has you got to drive? He's got
0: to drive. drive. I'm willing to. I'm willing to let that go. No,
1: I'll I'll finish it. I'll finish it before I'm out of here. But shot anyway. But I'm a Miller Lite kind of guy, so I'm one of those guys that sits around and just drinks his light beer. So usually you don't have
0: a lot to compare it to.
1: No, I I, I don't. It, it's not something I, I probably haven't had a sip of whiskey in like two years. So. What do you think of that though? I thought it was fine. Yeah, it, got, it went down. Yeah, yeah, no, no problem. It didn't make me make any weird faces or anything oh, like that. No burn, that, so. no burn. we were
0: watching. We're watching. I'll tell you yeah. what. Well, I, like I was it.
1: trying hard too because I knew you were watching. So <laughs> That's I was right. We've we'll we'll had
0: that bottle sitting there for a while. We weren't going to open it until we had a, a guest here worth opening that bottle. Now I will end this thing with saying this podcast. This is us. This is our podcast. And we are not a neutral podcast, right? If we like somebody, we're going to tell you we like him. And I'll tell you right now that I think Jonah Scholes is our guy. Pod Bless America is 100% behind Jonah Scholes. I don't think there's anything you said right now that I'm like, ah, you actually turned me on one. I, and right? again, his neutral take on the marijuana thing, but I just don't agree with it. That. Okay, that's cool. But like you said, though, the fact that he's willing to be neutral, knowing that he could
2: get the vote from, from, from the all those kids. his age, yep. and he's willing to remain neutral. Dude, 100 And when we get closer to the primaries, we're going to have him back on. We are going to have him back yeah. on. For sure, because I want to know about the young kids in his age group uh, and how much of them were liberal as opposed to conservative when he was coming up. Because I think that's important to, to find out where the kids are these days as mm-hmm. well. First. And he's
0: getting to that age, I mean, where even if you were a liberal, you start becoming conservative, right? You're out when of you college. When you start paying taxes? Right. You're yeah. out of college, you're <laughs> paying taxes, you're seeing how it all works and this is where reality start hits be- you. Yes. People sure. start becoming conservatives at that sure. point. All right. So, Hey, listen, we got to get out of here. This was longer than I thought it would be, but it was good talk. It was good conversation. Yeah. All right. So listen, hit us up. We need the likes. We need the reviews. We need the subscriptions, wherever you're listening to this podcast, hit the subscribe button for us. We've started a YouTube channel. Dan, where's
2: that at? That is at Popless America one on YouTube. On YouTube, Pod Bless yep, America. 100. At Twitter, it's at Jim and Dan Show because that's what this is—the Jim, Jim and Dan Show. Jim and Dan Show. Hashtag Pod Bless America to ask any questions you want to get answered. Right if you on. hashtag Pod Bless America, I'm asking the question whether it's cool or not. <laughs> right on, right on. And you
0: can always hit us up on Facebook at Pod Bless America. And uh, if you have any comments about this show, you have anything you want to uh, add, anything you want us to talk about, Jim at pbapodcast.com. It's Jim at pbapodcast.com. So uh thanks Jonah, we appreciate yeah, you coming on man awesome. Yeah. Dude, this yeah, was a great absolutely. talk. Great talk, man. I'm Jim. I'm Dan. This uh, is God Bless America. Bless America.